What's up, guys, and welcome back to Unquestionable with Calvin. I'm your host, Calvin. Really happy to have you guys here tonight, and I apologize for no show last week. You know, it was the wife's birthday, and uh, we had to, you know, you know how that goes. So, once again, apologize for no show last week, but I'm excited to get into uh, the topic that I have lined up for today. But uh, first things first, figured I should do the regular intro to the show. Uh, so, first things first, no guests tonight, so I do apologize for that, but it's an open invite. So, if you follow me on Instagram at Unquestionable Podcast, and if you're a avid UFO researcher, Bigfoot hunter, ghost hunter, religious zealot, and you want to talk about religion, uh, or if you're a conspiracy theorist, anything of the sort, feel free to message me on Instagram at Unquestionable Podcast, or you can email me at calsmithmusicinfo at gmail.com and I'll get back to you pretty promptly now that's my uh, professional type of music email I don't have anything set up for the show yet so don't be thrown off by the uh, by that you know so that's kind of what I've been using for the time being so other than that I do have a donation link set up as well if you go on the Spotify description of the show you will find a donation link there sponsored by Anchor FM, and you can donate anything from, uh, I believe it's a dollar up to, I believe it's $20 you can donate up to. So anything helps, you're more than welcome to donate there. But if not, you guys just being here listening to the show is supporting me. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And uh, remember to share the show, of course. Uh, Sharing the show is probably the best way to help support me without having to spend a dime. So if you know anyone that's a UFO or alien weirdo like me or anyone who's into ancient civilizations, cryptids, anything of that sort, share the show with them. They might take interest in it and they are more than welcome to shoot me a message if they want to be a guest. So yeah, that's that's basically it for the the main stuff that I wanted to talk to to you guys about. But I wanted I just I needed to plug this in there for a minute because it's just recently came out, but so the the recent disclosure of some UFO videos taken by the U.S. Navy um, that show multiple pyramid-shaped unidentified flying objects hovering over a, um, I believe it was a submarine. I could be wrong on that. I didn't do a ton of research on what exactly was taking the footage. I just was awed at the footage. And um, so there's, when you're looking at the footage, which I'll try to put something into it on Instagram, um, some sort of picture or something like that on Instagram so that you guys can check it out. But if not, go to Instagram and check out at Jeremy Corbell. So he's a um, pretty well-known UFO and uh, cryptid type of researcher. He has a couple movies out. Talks to Bob Lazar, George Knapp, all that jazz. So he helped release this video with George Knapp and these flying pyramids that you can see in this video is just incredible. Um, and I'm really interested to see more because apparently Jeremy uh, claims that he has more footage that him and George Knapp are going to be releasing soon. So after you guys take a look at that video, tell me what you think. What do you think it is? Uh, are aliens here? Are, is that some sort of weird hoax that the government is behind? Is it a false flag? Is it a secret government vehicle that the public has yet to know about? I don't know, but I'd be very curious to know. And so you guys can shoot me a message. Let me know your thoughts. I'd be really curious to know. And maybe I'll do a whole episode on stuff that Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp go through. I don't know. We're going to see what happens. All right. 
Besides that, we're going to get into the topic a little bit here. So, today's topic was picked by a poll on Instagram. Now, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you wouldn't know about this. So, once again, follow me on Instagram at Unquestionable Podcast. This was this poll on my Instagram story was between ancient high tech or a cryptid for this week's show. It was a 60-40 encrypted favor. So, uh, you know, 60% for, for cryptids. So I figured, all right, cool, cryptid would be fun. I haven't done that yet. Uh, and I thought that this one that I'm going to be covering today isn't necessarily a, a cryptid. Because it, it's, it's a verified event that happened. You know, these, uh, I guess... I guess we'll just kind of get into it. So today we're going to be talking about the mysterious creature that terrorized a region of France for about three years. And bef- before I get into that, I'm going to say there's going to be some pronunciation errors because this is in France and there's a lot of French names, French uh, regions, areas. So there's going to be some pronunciation errors. So you're going to have to just bear with me on that one. And I, I'm just going to apologize in advance. So today... We're going to be talking about the Beast of Javudan. All right, so here we go. We're going to kick it off. So as said before, this story is going to take place in the Javudan region of France around the 18th century, so about the 1700s. Um, Now, Javudan was a previously established region in France uh, in 1096 is when it was initially established but after the French Revolution ended in 1790 the region's name was actually changed to the Lozier territory Uh, but our topic tonight takes place about 24 25 years before the end of the revolution so starting in the 1760s 1764 to be exact a mysterious beast that not only killed, but in some cases completely devoured or decapitated, disemboweled hundreds of people. I, I think a, a little over 100 people uh, in that entire region of Javudan. And that's where we're going to kind of kick off some of the accounts and some events, uh, some attacks of people encountering this this beast and living to tell a tale because some did live to tell the tale but to be honest most didn't uh, a lot of it was just finding just totally dismembered people but there are some descriptions of the beast now that's that's the most interesting thing here is the descriptions of the beast because we're honestly not sure what it was and um so the first person to encounter this Beast, which I'll get a little bit into the description here in a second. The first encounter of this beast was from a woman named Marie Jeanne Vallée. And she was tending to her cattle in the Mercoire Forest near the town of Lagogne in the eastern part of Javudan. And she describes that she was tending to her cattle and she looked off into the distance, not super far away, and there was this animal that, quote, looked like a wolf yet wasn't a wolf unquote from Mary now wolves weren't uncommon in the area of Javudan or just really in France as a whole in fact they were quite a nuisance you know a lot of people um, you know losing 
livestock, a lot of people being attacked. Uh, people would hunt wolves for fun. Uh, they were very prevalent in the area. So it's it's not like these people weren't familiar with what a wolf looked like. So the fact that she would describe that it looked like a wolf, but it didn't at the same time is really interesting to me. So after, um, okay, <laughs> anyways, I'll, I'll get into the description of the beast a little bit here before I even get into any more. So this beast described by not only Mary Jean Villet, but by almost everyone who survived the attacks or the encounters with this beast, they described it as being nearly twice the size of an adult male wolf with a long, pointed-shaped snout, reddish-brownish-gray hide with a black stripe running horizontally all the way down the back of the animal. And some would say that the lips of the beast would curl up in a smile, showing teeth and a, just a menacing look on its face, uh, sometimes with almost like a rabid-looking fucking terrifying if i'm right <laughs> so it's depicted in tons of paintings which i'll post um as many pictures as i'm able to on instagram of the beast because almost every painting or drawing of the this beast is kind of the same but a lot of differences in between there are some more extreme descriptions of the beast which kind of put it into that cryptid territory of People claiming that this monster could walk on two legs, bipedal, um, spoke like a man. That's a really important detail that I'm going to get into later. It could jump incredible distances, like over buildings, and could run at amazing speeds, and bullets would deflect off of its skin, doing no damage. So that's that's basically the, the descriptions that everyone will give, not to mention the size of the paws and the teeth on this thing. It was it was terrifying. People had never seen anything like this. Um, so after examining the distant, the animal for a short time, uh, Mary Valet, after she was examining it for a short time, it actually began to charge at her. So she was scared. She didn't know what to do. But luckily the bulls in her herd saw the beast and they felt threatened, so they kind of formed this um, this barricade between her and the beast, and they helped kind of fend it off. And and but, but sure enough, it turned around and tried to attack a second time. And then that's when Mary said, "Fuck this, I'm dipping." So she ran into town, terrified, hysterical, and she describes that she was attacked by this massive wolf-like creature, but she was saved by her cattle. And the town at that point felt like she was just kind of crying wolf. And, you know, they, they definitely were scared. They could see that she saw something and something happened, but they kind of were like, it probably was a wolf. And she kind of figured it might have been a weird wolf, too. She might have just been scared. So they kept on their toes and it didn't really seem to do much with them just on the lookout because the beast took its first victim on June 30th of 1764 in a small town of La Hubeck near Lagogne. Once again, I'm sorry about all these pronunciation errors. It's, it's going to be terrible. Took French in high school. Obviously didn't stick with me. <laughs> now, after this first victim on the 30th of 1964 uh, of June, they 
the town found the bloody bonnet and shoe of a 14-year-old shepherdess, Jean Boulet, where the only things left of her after her encounter of the beast, I mean, that's that's all that there was. Um, from my understanding, her body was totally missing. Um, the only thing was that was left were these these bloody articles of clothing, and so they just assumed the worst, and um, you know they just assumed that she was dead, and obviously she never showed up again. So, uh, unfortunately, the beast is said now. The interesting thing is that nobody actually saw the beast kill Jean Boulet. They just kind of assumed. So it could have been a wolf. But the fact that it took place, um, I believe, within a couple days, or maybe even the same day, of uh, this attack on Mary Jean Boulet, it, it's, it's kind of fitting together that it could have been the same uh, creature. Um, now, the sightings and attacks became increasingly frequent after the death of Jean, and led to a full investigation and hunt for the beast by the order of King Louis XV. So, at this point, the king is getting into it, the king's pissed, doesn't know what the hell is going on, he kind of thinks that it's just a wolf running around. So he's sending these people out, and at this time, it was being terrorized, you know, it was terrorizing the entire region. And they, they didn't know whether this could be one beast or if it could be multiple. So everybody is scared. Scared to leave their homes, scared to tend to their uh, their livestock. Now, things kind of died down until January 12th of 1765. The beast attacked a 10-year-old Jacques Portefeuille and a group of seven friends ranging from 8 to 12 years old. But Portefeuille led a counterattack with sticks. He just beat the shit out of this thing <laughs> with some sticks. And drove it off. It was terrified and it ran away. So that this little kid's a little badass. The children were actually rewarded by King Louis. And Portefeuille was given an education. He, the king just gave him a full ride. Uh, completely paid. So that's pretty sick. That that kid actually got a nice education from being a hero. So kudos to Jacques Portefeuille, I guess. Now... The children's heroics prompted the court of King Louis XV to send royal hunters to destroy the beast. Now, these were people hired by the king to specifically hunt basically whoever the, the king wanted to. Bounty hunters, essentially. There was now a 600 livre bounty on the creature's head and six, or I'm sorry, 6,000 livre. And from what I understand, I, I really tried to figure this out. And 6,000 livre comes out to about $24,000 in U.S. dollars. So, I mean, $24,000 for killing an animal? You bet I'm going to be hunting that fucking thing down. Uh, the story of the beast, meanwhile, is spreading like wildfire. It's spreading all through France, and not even just France. It's all through Europe. It's going all the way through to Russia. People are hearing about this. Newspapers around the world are, I mean, it's it's front page. It basically was the first well-known um, media sensation. As, as far as I'm, I was able to, to look up, there was nothing really that was capturing the attention of the entire, you know, and all of Europe, basically, until this time. So it's very cool that that happened. Now, jumping back to 1764, just a little bit before that, um... This is, this is an interesting attack. So, on October 8th, 1764, so it's a couple months before um, the king sent out these, these royal hunters, 
The beast was seen at Chateau de la Balme stalking a herdsman. Bounty hunters were sent by the king at that time as well, and the animal fled into an estate's woods type of area, and eventually the king's bounty hunters flushed the animal out, and uh, they they shot a volley of muskets, uh, you know, musket bullets at this beast, but it eventually uh, it fell. They believed it was dead, and then it got up and ran away. So before they could even approach it, so that was a couple months before um, the the king actually said, all right, we got to get some people out here to hunt this thing. Now, the most notable tale of bravery was is probably from this. Now, notice, the first person, Mary-Jean Valet, who was attacked, the most notable tale of bravery comes from her again at a couple, about a year later. Now, at this point, Mary-Jean Valet is 19, 20 years old, it's not exactly sure exactly the, the age that she was, but somewhere between 19 and 20. And she was ta- attacked a second time by the beast on August 11th, of 1765, while she was crossing the river um, Desgave with her sister. Uh, I totally forgot to put down her sister's name, but it's out there so you guys can look it up. The only person to be hunted twice by the beast was Mary Jean Valet. So that's very interesting to me. I'll get a little bit more into that when I start talking about theories at the end. Now, at the time, Mary was armed with a type of, uh, it was a bayonet, really, affixed to a pole. And so Valet, she picked up this fucking pole and she impaled this beast in the chest. And it, it apparently made it scream in agony, understandable. And <laughs> the creature got away. The creature screamed and ran away. And at that point, Mary Jean Valet was known as the Amazon, quote unquote, or also the Maid of Jaboudan. And actually, what's really cool is they actually erected a statue in her honor, depicting her impaling the beast. She's a bad bitch. And I have a picture of that up on Instagram right now, which I will, um, once again, post some more. So that's really crazy that she got attacked twice and got away twice. She's That's the only person to have done that. And what she described it as being the exact same beast as before. So at this point, we're going to jump to September 20th, 1765. Francois Antoine, who was the king's 71-year-old gun bearer, and his nephew shot a large wolf near an abbey at Chazé, which is a um, it's another area of, of France, uh, which was assumed to be the beast. Antoine... Uh, was awarded with money, titles, other types of riches, and before the... Okay, interesting. The king took the corpse of the beast and actually stuffed it because he wanted proof that that's what this thing was. Is He wanted to stuff it and he wanted to put it in the royal court for everybody to see so that he could show the beast is dead and there's no fear left to be had. So, they stuffed it. King Louis looked at it and he said, yep, this has got to be it. This is a big ass thing. But it was, you know, unfortunately, attacks started again about three months later in December. So obviously that was not the correct beast of Jebudon, unless there were multiple beasts. But at the time, people were pretty sure that there was only one. So it could have been that the the initial kill was was more than likely a large wolf of some sort. But 
After attacks started three months later, according to an account in an 1898 volume of the Parisian Illustrated Review, this time the beast seemed a little bit different, at least behavioral. And where before the creature had been afraid of cattle, this time showed no fear. This thing was out to kill, and it was not threatened by anybody or anything. Could it have been maybe malnourished? Maybe it was hungry, uh, desperate for food? Maybe that's why the, uh, you know, the fear kind of faded away. Or maybe it was a different animal. And maybe they were two of the same animal um, that, that kind of ventured into that area of France. Who knows? But we're going to get a little into theories here in a couple minutes. So... The king's court paid little attention to the new onslaught of attacks because they were pretty sure that this beast that was in the king's court was the beast of Jabudan. So they really didn't look too much into it. But then a sudden outbreak of attacks, tons of attacks started happening in early June of 1767, which at that point compelled a local nobleman, uh, let's see, Mar Marquise Depshier, <laughs> sorry, to organize a hunt. So on June 19th, one of the hunters, a local man named Jean, Jean, I'm so sorry, Jean Castel shot the wolf. Okay. He believes he shot a wolf on the slopes of Mount Moucher and the death of that animal caused the attacks of the beast of Jevoudan to cease. And at that, after that beast was shot, it was never seen again. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe Jean Chastel did kill the beast at that point, and he claims that it was a wolf. Now, at this point, he didn't bring the body of that animal back to the king for exam examination. Basically, these two guys, um, you know, Marquise and Jean, they just assumed that that was the beast. They saw it. They both shot it, and you know, the attack stopped. So they were considered heroes you know basically they stopped the the attacks and they, they were considered heroes so i don't know whether the beast was just a wolf or something different i don't know but let's get into what exactly it could have been now some theories on what the beast of jabudon could have been uh, historians, scientists, and conspiracy theorists have proposed multiple theories about what the beast could be. Uh, everything from a wolf to an armored war dog to a striped hyena, a lion, or even a werewolf. Some people have even um, attested to. So let's break down some of these. And uh, I picked out just a couple that sounded a little bit uh, more likely to me. Now, first things first. A wolf. That's that's pretty much what everyone thinks that it was. Now, one, as mentioned before, Jevoudan had a serious wolf infestation problem, and theories circulate that large lone wolves were attacking individual communities across the region, and that it could have just been a wolf pack that was um, traveling around Jevoudan. It was just just you know attacking for fun, but that doesn't seem right to me because the size comparison. Is, is the biggest thing that's throwing me off as far as a wolf goes. Now, I've seen some pretty big wolves, and I've heard of some very large wolves, but this thing was said to be as large as a horse, 
or about the size of an SUV even, uh, as, as far as size comparisons go. So this is a big ass dog if that's a if, if it was a wolf and like i said before these people have seen wolves before so they're familiar with what they look like almost everybody at the time had seen a wolf they were so i'm pretty sure they would know whether it was a wolf or not albeit large so it just it doesn't really match up for me that it could have been a wolf another theory is that it was a dog or a mastiff wolf hybrid now a few people have claimed that it could have been uh, based off of the reddish brownish gray uh, coat possibly a mastiff uh, breed of dog which has a reddish brownish uh, coat and is pretty large in stature may have possibly crossbreeded with a wolf or maybe it just was a large mastiff with rabies of some sort and uh even more far-fetched people say that it could have been this large massive breed dog that was trained to kill that i mean it would explain the coloration and people are saying that this massive dog could have possibly been fitted with armor made from hides of other animals that would explain the claims of bullets just bouncing off of this animal and causing little to no damage a little far-fetched for me especially with the size comparison the aggression level um etc etc the tail um the stripe down the back it just and myself i've never seen a mastiff and a wolf hybrid so i'm unsure what that would look like but i mean i guess you guys let me know what, what you think if that's something that's is doable um now another theory is that it could have been a striped hyena this one is one that i'm a little bit more behind to be completely honest not native to france but uh you know striped hyenas they're non-monogamous non-monogamous animals and not very territorial and so parents will often assist raising each other's kins um so they're they're more of a social animal they don't usually travel alone they travel in in small groups of maybe five to ten uh sometimes even larger though but it's it's kind of the things that are compelling to me is the necks of the the actual neck of the striped hyenas are pretty largely immobile and they're they have short and broad tails but the beast of jevudan is said to have had a longer tail um now i suppose now hyenas do have stripes all over them sometimes they have stripes all the way down the horizontal side of their back and uh so although the the descriptions of the fur don't necessarily match up the aggression level and uh as well as theories of it speaking like a man so like i said before there were theories that this thing could speak like a man now if you've ever heard a hyena it basically sounds like a guy laughing or or uh talking or speaking anything of that sort so it kind of would match up with that theory that it could speak like a man because of how hyenas sound. So that's kind of what's putting me t more towards the striped hyena type of hypothesis. Now, we're getting a little bit more to the pseudoscientific type of uh, explanation here. Hyenodons. Okay. Hyenodons, uh, they went extinct 
supposedly around 15.9 million years ago and surprisingly they're not related at all to modern day hyenas they actually look they look pretty similar to hyenas um just a little shorter in stature a little stockier um not as like they're a little bit more like long in stature i guess you could say and um if you look at the paintings of the beast and then you look at these um basically computer-generated images of what a hyenodon once looked like, it's near exact to almost every painting out there. Now, it's a stretch, but I guess it's not totally impossible. I mean, we have seen species of animals that have lived millions of years after when they were supposed to have went extinct, like the coelacanth fish, which should have went extinct 66 million years ago, but a live specimen was found in 1938 which died shortly after being discovered but so it's not totally unheard of that a prehistoric animal lived literally millions of years after when it was supposed to have uh went extinct and i mean this is the 1700s maybe it maybe there was a couple that had lived that had made it to that time i guess we'll see but i guess you you guys you guys tell me what you think about that one i i I don't think it's very likely but who knows um, some other theories is that it could have been a sub-adult lion. Um, now, lions weren't totally unknown of, but a lot of people in the France French region were familiar with what adult male lions looked like. So adult male lions, you know, had the big stylized uh, mane, very, very large in stature. Now, if it was a sub-adult, it wouldn't have that mane yet. And menageries were pretty uh, prevalent in the French region and just in Europe in general. Menageries were basically, they were like early zoos. Um, A place where royalty or very rich people would keep um, different types of exotic animals that may be unheard of to some people in the region. So, is it possible that uh, this menagerie had a sub-adult lion that escaped? I don't know. I mean, it it wouldn't explain the mane not growing in because these attacks took place over three to four years. And it only takes about two years for a lion's mane to fully grow in. So, I mean, unless it was a lone lioness. But once again, I don't think female lions or just lions in general really travel alone. So it's it's a little meh, but I don't know. You guys tell me. Um, some people say it was a it was a human in a suit, but I'm not even going to entertain that because no no human I don't think would be able to get away with that. And I mean, people know what fucking people look like. I don't know. Or was it something paranormal? Could it be a cryptid or a skinwalker? It, it's not really mentioned a lot. And I mean, like I said, it's pretty proven that this was a real animal. Um, but the the theories of it having superpowers and such. I don't know. It's fun to think about, but not likely. You guys tell me what you think. But anyways, that's that's pretty much it. That's that's the entire story of the Beast of Jabudon. It, it disappeared after that. So, once again, like, I'll put in a little bit of my own theories here. Originally, I thought it was a lion because of the initial reading of descriptions and looking at pictures and stuff like that. But lately, I've been thinking that it could be a striped hyena. Mostly because of the markings and the aggression level, tales of it speaking, and like I said, if you've ever heard a hyena, you know. Damn near sounds like a human. So, 
Not to mention it'd be completely unknown to the country, which means maybe it was someone's pet, or maybe someone had it in the menagerie and it got away, or multiple. I feel like it could have been a striped hyena, to be completely honest. But, anyways, that's my thoughts. That's that's the whole show, guys, but I appreciate you guys listening. Um, tell me what you guys think. I thought it'd be super cool to cover something that isn't necessarily encrypted, but still covered in a ton of mystery, even 300 years later. Um, I'm wondering if maybe it was a hoax planned by Mary Jean Valais and she covered the beast twice and lived with not a scratch on her. And she was the first to see it. And maybe she was trying to get a statue made of her. I don't know. But what do you think, guys? Do you think it was a hoax? Paranormal? Was it an animal? Was it a lion? Hyena? Hyena Don? A human? Let me know. You can shoot me a message on Instagram. Uh, or make sure to follow me on Spotify. And actually, now the show is available on Apple Podcasts and Overcast. So you can follow me on there, too, if, you, uh, if you're an iPhone user. That's that's it, guys. Do you have any beliefs? If you have if I mean, if you believe in anything from Bigfoot to alien abductions, if you think you've been abducted, ghosts, tarot card readings, anything, if you're a psychic, shoot me a message. If you want to be a guest, I'm more than happy to have you guys on here. I can throw you on Zoom or you can come on over to where I'm at and we can do a show together and we can talk about why you believe those things and why I don't or I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say don't, but I more than likely don't. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Follow me on Instagram at Unquestionable Podcast and make sure to give me a follow on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that jazz. Anyways, until next week, guys, I appreciate you guys listening. And remember, question everything. <laughs>